Uh, G'day everyone, my name is Justin Tippett, host of the CX Central podcast and today I'm very excited to introduce Julian Rio from Ring Central. He is the Senior Director of Marketing. Julian, welcome. Well, thank you so much for the invite and good uh, evening to you, I guess, Justin. Yes, the uh, beautiful things of different time zones. So we are on the opposite sides of the planet, but that doesn't stop us from having a conversation, which is what today is all about. Now, you've got a fascinating background, Julian, because I I get to interview a lot of people and a lot of them are are contact centre people. They're folk. They grew up in contact centres like me. You know, I started when I was 18 and I'm bloody still there. Um, But you've sort of had a different path because if I understand your background correctly, you're really a marketing guy, right, that just happened to end up in a call centre role. Would that be a fair summation? Yeah, well, yes and no. Um, I am a marketing guy, that's for sure, Um, and I've spent uh, the past 10, 15 years in many different marketing roles from, uh, you know, web marketing, web design, web development, and I've done uh, social media management, community management. I, I've done many things. Um, but oh. one thing, one common theme that you have in marketing is CX. And I mean, customer experience is part of everything you do in marketing. If you don't have customer in mind, then you can't succeed. So, yeah, I guess I'm, I have an unusual path, but um, we are all about CX anyway. Yeah, and I'm going to talk to you about CX because I know you recently got your CCXP, so we will uh, we'll certainly talk about that. Um, but I want to um, sort of get straight into, I guess, your role at the moment in terms of Ring Central because Ring Central is obviously in the call center business uh, and provides software for call centers. Um, Tell me a little bit, and this is no by, by no means an ad for Ring Central because we don't do that here at CX Central. But I am intrigued because um, there is so much interest in in cloud software at the moment, and that's really the backbone, I guess, of your product. So, how are you seeing things play out in the cloud contact center market? Well, I, first, I love that you say contact center because that's really the word I'm going to use, not call center, uh, simply because I feel like in 2021, uh, of course, phone is still incredibly important. But it's more than that. There is just more yeah. than, than call. Um, and I also love the fact that you talk about cloud because, I mean, this pandemic has made it very clear. You need the cloud. You need to be able to work remote. You need to be able to manage your contact center, your your entire IT ecosystem anyway. You need to be able to manage it remotely. Um, and what used to be convenience in the past, now it's just a necessity. Yep. Um, so, as you mentioned, yes, Ring Central, we are a company that was born in the cloud. So, I do believe 500% in the power and the necessity of cloud. Um, and, and that's a trend that just keeps growing day after day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with, with Ring Central, I mean, uh, you know, what? where do you see it? Because I know if, if, as a call center practitioner now, it seems to me like every different week, there is a new cloud contact center vendor that just comes out of nowhere and is trying to sort of advertise. It's a very crowded marketplace. And I know a lot of it is potentially just rebranded. It's a core platform underneath and people are white labeling it and doing all sorts of weird, wonderful stuff. But, you know, for, for Ring Central, I mean, uh, give me the bit of the story, I guess, about how you guys came about. Yeah, well, um, so Ring Central is a company that was originally born for the UCAS market. So UCAS would be Unified Communication as a Service, right? Mm-hmm. So born yeah. in the cloud, yep. um, late uh, late nineties, um, and it has been for so many years uh, leader of the magic quadrant of Gartner for this UCAS product. So when you talk UCAS, you talk about video conferencing, you talk about. Uh, uh, 
cloud PBX, meaning the, the phone system. And you talk about team messaging, all this uh, messaging software that we use uh, internally within the company. That's what he was known for for so many years. Um, and a few years ago, I think it's seven, eight, nine years ago, I, I don't have the date in, in mind right now, we started to do contact center as well because contact center is, is the other side of communication. It's great to have internal, but you need to have external communication as well. And so many players, you mentioned that it's a crowded market. So many players nowadays are actually starting to do both internal and external communication. So for Ring Central, um, we started working on this many years ago, all originally in the cloud, no on-prem. We really believe in the power of cloud from day one. Uh, and what's interesting about my personal background is I actually joined four years ago a company, a French company called Dimelo, uh, that created a remarkable um, tech for digital contact centers. And this company got acquired by Ring Central, and that's how I got into, into the, the, the bigger the bigger company that is Ring Central today, is through this acquisition of this fantastic technology that is now one of our major products uh, at Ring Central. Yeah. Now obviously, uh, you know, we are in a global market in terms of contact centers, but there are subtle differences in in regions. And I know often when I talk to people in the US, it seems like you know, down under here in Australia, we're a little bit behind, you know, some would argue it's you know, 20 years behind and some might say it's not as long. Um, but we do, I, I feel personally, we are a little bit behind. What's some of the trends that you're seeing at the moment? You're based in Paris, obviously. So throughout Europe, what are some of the trends that you're seeing? So what's interesting is that I'm based in Paris, um, but I do work a lot with the US and I've spent about 10 years of my life living in Asia. Oh, is it and Singapore, I, I think, from memory? Is that right? That was Hong Kong. Hong Kong, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, well, it's it's both are great cities. I spent a lot of time in Singapore as well, but I actually lived in, and studied the, um, my master's degree in Hong Kong. But you know what I can see is that you're absolutely right. I'm not so familiar with Australia, but you see different trends and different speed of development across different regions. When I was in Asia, I could see that um, apps, messaging apps, WhatsApp, WeChat, uh, all these apps were extremely popular yep. before my friends in Paris even started discovering them. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yep. And 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 back in back in Asia, I was already using the uh, walkie-talkie um, features. You know the voice features on messaging where yes, you send yep. a short, short voice message. message. Yep. Yep. It's it's getting popular now in Paris. It's getting popular in the U.S., but it has been popular for years in Asia. So you see different speeds, different trends. Now yep. what I see in the contact center. Um, in the different regions I work in uh, is really messaging is huge. It's getting bigger and bigger. And you want to deal with the contact centers the way you deal with a with a friend, basically. So, Julian, when you say messages uh, from a from a business perspective, are, are we talking, you know, like um, you know, Messenger on Facebook? Are we talking Snapchat? Are we talking, uh, you know, Twitter? What type of um, you know platforms are people using that you're seeing? Well, uh, once again, depending on the region. If you talk about uh, Asia, Korea, uh, it's going to be Talk. If you talk about China, it's going to be WeChat. If you talk about Europe, that's going to be WhatsApp. If you talk about US, it's going to be iMessage. If you talk about world, generally speaking, it's probably still Facebook Messenger being the, the biggest one. So I think it really depends on many things, the region, obviously, yep. and your audience. How old is your audience? You probably, uh, you know, when, when your brand is an elderly house or toys for young children or video games, you probably don't use the same platform because you need to know your audience and adapt to their own habits. 
Absolutely, I can, I can hear the CX coming out in your descriptions already, Julian. So you're 100% <laughs> right. Um, do, do you, I, I guess, from a contact center perspective, though, it, it is really challenging, isn't it? When you go, wow, I've got to support all these different channels. And particularly if you're global and you've got customers calling in from everywhere, how do you keep across? You know, you just reeled off four or five different platforms just then off the top of your tongue. And I'm sure you could reel off a lot more. Is that, you know, the, the, the challenge for or the opportunity for some of the, um, for the cloud content? contact center platforms? I think it's both. Um, it is a huge challenge because historically, most contact centers are very much constructed around silos. So the, the way the way I look at it is if your contact center is built around silos, and I'm gonna what I mean by that is you have a social media team, a messaging team, an email team, a phone team, and so on. Yep. What's gonna happen is every time you add a new channel, you add a new silo. And with this silo comes a different platform, a different training, different KPIs, different managers, different objectives, different strategy, vision, and so on. And and that's terrible for two reasons. That's terrible for the customer because yep. you end up having a siloed experience. If if the experience is not seamless, it's terrible because you, you contact the contact centers through three different channels, you get three different answers at three different paces. So it's terrible. Yep. Um, but even from the contact center perspective, because when you build these silos, just imagine you have a bad bus tomorrow um, and you get um, 500,000 messages on Twitter. Your Twitter team is overwhelmed because they're not used to manage so many messages and other teams cannot help That's right, because yeah. they don't have the tools, they don't have the training, they so it doesn't work. Mm. Um, and and it, the, the other way around is true as well. Uh, when you have no messages on Twitter for a few days for whatever reason, then you have a team that doesn't do anything while the others are very busy. My vision, and there, there, that is where the opportunity comes in, is contact centers nowadays cannot be siloed anymore. They have You need to have a team that focuses on customer issues and the channel does not matter. You need as a brand to become channel agnostic and you need to let technology figure out how to make sure that every agent is able to answer any message based on whatever criteria you have, whatever SLAs you have. But technology should no longer be an excuse to build silos. Customer experience should come first at every stage. I, I agree, but I think one of the challenges that we've got in, in contact centers is, you know, as you would understand, the skill set between having a, a telephone conversation versus a, you know, written communication, whether it's, you know, SMS or WeChat or, or you know, the live chat channels they're using are quite different. Are you seeing call center managers really struggling with that multi-channel concept? Because the technology, I think, now can do it. I think it's now the, the people part is the problem. I think it's even more complex than this because I see a, a third example that's slowly growing. It's not big yet, but it will be big in the next five years, uh, which is video. That requires another uh, skill set as well, Absolutely, which yeah. you need to have a voice. You need to be able to express yourself uh, in an audio manner, mm. uh, but you also need to you know, look professional, have a nice background, a good setting, and, and so on. Um, and I still believe you need some silos um, but just not as many as we have today. To me, voice agents are different from um, digital agents and for a simple reason. If you can express yourself very well, if you have a soothing voice, if you can find ways to calm your angry customer, you might be a fantastic phone agent, 
but you might not be able to type an email properly. Your grammar might be terrible. Uh, and, and the other way around is true, meaning you can have people who are fantastic through digital, they can be creative, but they can't express themselves correctly or their voice gets people more frustrated than they were before. Those are two different skill sets. And I have no problem telling contact centers, look, voice is one skill set written channels are a different skill. So you can mix a little bit of synchronous, asynchronous, you can mix channels together, but voice and written channels are, are different things. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. You, you mentioned there, you know, that having a soothing voice, um, you know, it can obviously is a good attribute. I noticed in your, your history, Julian, that you, you used to do some voiceover work. You're a voice artist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did this just a couple of times for, you know, when um, I, I used to work in the startup world where you have lots of ideas, you're very creative, but you have zero budget. <laughs> um, and I, I used to have friends who needed a voice talent for, um, for voiceover for their different videos. Um, but I haven't done this for a long time now. <laughs> uh, you, you've still got the skills. It comes through. You've got beautiful, silky <laughs> tones, uh, Julian. Um, Thank you. Now, um, I know you're very passionate about um, customer experience. You you recently did the CCXP course with Daniel Lord, who um, you know I work a lot with uh, through the CX skills, and we we do the what's it called the introduction to CCXP um, course to help people prepare for the exam. And I know you sat through Daniel's course and you passed the exam, so that's always a good sign. Um, Absolutely. What what was your biggest takeaway from from learning more about customer experience? All right. Well, let me start with the why then. Um, why did I take this exam? Because I've been... So first of all, I'm not a customer experience expert in any way. And in my role, as you can see on my title, uh, I'm working for marketing. And I think uh, CX is extremely important, but that's not my role per se. I'm not a head of CX or, or this sort of role. Um, but I wanted to get more expertise in customer experience because that's a topic I talk about for years without knowing it's actually a role, but that's something that at heart, I believe is extremely important for companies and for customers. Um, so I wanted to be a bit more expert and have more structure and organize my thoughts and not just use my gut feeling of what is best, but also you know structure it a little bit more. Yep. And I think 6CXP is fantastic and truly, um, that's not something that should be done by uh, future CX experts, CX leaders only. Everyone from sales to marketing to customer service should have to some extent knowledge of this concept because, I mean, you have lots of technical things you learn in that course, but if there is only one thing you should take away is put yourself in your customer's shoes and start thinking like a customer and not like uh, someone from the financial department. And once you get that in, in mind, Everything else becomes more obvious and simple when you, you start making improvements at every level of your company. And th that's what I love about this course. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I love the course as well. I think that the big learning for me and coming from a contact center background was that, you know, the, the, all the different disciplines that sit behind CX. I mean, in that course, as you would know, there was like the six different modules and, you know, you could spend 10 years and become proficient in one of those modules. It is so broad what's covered by CX, but I think you're absolutely right at the core of it. It's just putting yourself in the customer's shoes, isn't it? And just going, hey, would, would this work? Would it not work? And uh, so that's good. I'm glad that you've uh, you've taken that away. Now, you've used that because um, I've been stalking you a little bit, Julian. And um, <laughs> and by say stalking, I mean that you sent me the video. Um, but you've launched your own, um, you, well, we'll call it a YouTube channel. Should we call it that? Um, where you've got your own, um, what's it called? CX Therapy is the name of the show, right? Um, exactly. I've been watching a couple of your episodes. Talk me through the motivation of, uh, of your 
your CX therapy website that you're doing with uh, with Max Ball. Exactly. Well, so since January 2019, um, I've launched a, a series of weekly videos on um, on LinkedIn with the hashtag JR Daily Video, uh, where I was trying to talk about a specific customer experience concept uh, using pets videos. So, you know, uh, videos with cats are always a hit. It always works very well. So <laughs> yes. I decided to take videos with cats, cows, pets of any sort. Uh, and it worked pretty well. And I, I realized that beside just doing it for fun, it was actually a great exercise for me to to look at CX from a different angle and try to see at every day, find a new video and, and talk about different thing with a different angle about a different customer pain point. Now, after two years of doing that, I got tired and I thought, okay, um, it's very self-centric because it's just me talking about my own problem. I want I want two things. First, I want to bring someone on board with me and um, and Max, uh, Max Bull is a fantastic speaker. He's a comedian, uh, a singer as well. Um, and it's just lovely to spend time with him. So that was a perfect excuse to spend some more time with him because um, he, he lives in the US. So it's always difficult with, uh, with the time zones, but yep. now that gives us a perfect excuse. Uh, and the second thing is it's actually a real therapy. I mean, it, I, you know, you have every day or every week, should I say, bad customer experiences. If you tell me that in Australia, every company provides perfect CX, I won't believe you. Uh, at least in France, it's not the case. Not even, not even close, Julian. Uh, so I agree with you. <laughs> so it, it, it just feels good. Every week I take 10, 15 minutes to tell Max about the terrible thing that happened to me recently. <laughs> uh, and he does the same. And after this session, we both feel much better about it. And hopefully um, we try to... We try to make it in a way where there's something to take away that companies can hopefully learn something that could be helpful for them, at least something that will help them reflect on their own customer experience strategy and hopefully improve uh, the way they, they interact with their customers. Oh, look, it's, it's, it does. It, it, a, it teaches you something, and B, it's a bit of fun. Um, I just watched the last one that you just published. I want to date this podcast, but it was the one about Netflix that you just um, published. And, and you were just talking about the, the UX um, between you know Netflix and some of the other platforms that are out there. And um, it, it's just so true. And I, and I think, again, it comes down to there's so many elements of CX, but I love that you sort of cover it and you get it off your chest and talk about it. And uh, I just had a vent on, on – uh, I know you right because I just had a vent on LinkedIn today because I had three companies that I had to deal with today just personal matters nothing exciting just you know electricity and you know um, a couple of other things and every single experience was appalling and and you just sort of wonder you scratch your head and, and I was just going you know what we've got people that have been talking about customer experience and customer service for decades there is tons of free information that is out there for people you know if you want to learn about anything YouTube it or read an article or read a book it's out there and yet despite all of that stuff that's happening and the link now between great service or great customer experience equals a better business outcome. We know that link now. All the stats prove it. And yet companies still aren't getting that customer service right. What, what do you think is at the heart of it? Because I was scratching my head today going, no one seems to get it. You know, you get it, Julian. I know you get it and I get it. Why aren't other people, you know, really understanding what the hell is going on out there and fixing it? I, I think... You, you touch the right word, link. The link is missing. Uh, and the bigger the company, the, the, the more true it becomes. Meaning that you realize as a customer that you had a terrible experience with whatever brand. Now, probably the agent, assuming that you had a 
customer engagement with with a contact center, probably the agent knows about this, and probably that information is stored somewhere on a CRM as well. But the decision maker, being the CEO, the general manager, whoever that is, probably doesn't know about it, and he's probably so disconnected from the reality of his customers that he doesn't even know this thing. The, the, the most terrible thing about it is most brands now take a VOC approach, uh, voice of customer, right? They would send surveys. But I guarantee that most of the time, the survey is just, you know, to get some NPS score yep. or CSAT score and just tell we have improved against last month or compared to last year. And, and that's about it. But there is so much more to that. So... That's where the, the CX leader comes uh, in the picture because his role, more than actually giving the direction and the vision, obviously that's part of it, but his mm. first role is to connect the different teams and get the bigger picture because everyone works in silos. Once again, everyone, I'm in the contact center, I'm in marketing, I'm in sales. And then many companies, many many employees have this, um, this terrible habit of saying, not my job. Yep. That's not my job. I'm not going to fix it because it's not my problem. Um, so the, the CX leader has this role of connecting people and making sure everything is is aligned. Do you think that's the magic bullet that's coming that as businesses start to engage with CX experts within their own organization, you know, a chief customer officer and those sorts of titles that they are really going to take the reins and lead the transformation? Because I think you're right, all the different departments as silos aren't really going to achieve anything. Someone needs to unify it. Yes and no. I don't think that's a silver bullet. I think that's a great start. Um, you, you need more than that. You need the right person, obviously. Uh, on top of that, you need to give them the right authority because it's just not enough to please your investors and the market to say, hey, we have a CX officer. Great, yes. but what can he actually do? Yeah, uh, does he report into marketing or does he report into the CEO? And can he actually make changes or is he just here to make reports and suggestions? Um, then he needs to have budget as well. Because it's beautiful to have big ideas and project, but as I was telling you earlier, uh, when you're in a startup world, um, you know goodwill is probably enough. But once you're in a bigger company, you need some budget to get things moving. Yeah. Uh, so all this is all this is necessary. But the the first thing this person is going to have to do is to get the big picture, and the second thing is to work on the culture. Because culture, you know, I'm I'm coming from the marketing world, so I have a concept that talks to me a lot, which is SEO. SEO is about building your reputation in the long run with no budget, but just building content. And what is good about an SEO strategy is once you start doing it, you know you won't have any quick result, but you know you're working for five years from now. CX is the same thing. Once you start building the culture within your company, you know that you won't have a quick return on investment, but you know that you're building the foundation so that your company is still here five years from now and is going to be more and more customer-centric as you move forward. Uh, and that's a very difficult role. I, I do not envy people who are in a, in a CX job right now because you have so many people to convince. And the last thing, uh, I will end on this one, I think the last thing that a CX person has to do, and it might be a very difficult one depending on where you're coming from, uh, you talked about Daniel Ord earlier. Um, this guy knows it all because he actually comes from a, a financial background. So we understand right. the money behind yep. CX uh, and that's strength. Um, because what a good CX leader needs to do is to speak the language of his audience. And his audience is usually investors, CEO, um, C-suite uh, teams, and those guys, they speak money. So if you just talk customer, 
you, you, you're not going to get the, the budget or the resources you need. You need to talk CX to the teams and talk finance to your boss. And if you can do this translation, then you're going to get what you need to make it work. If you don't speak money, you're not going to go very far. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's been a, a probably a, uh, what's the right word, uh, perception that CX is quite fluffy. You know, it's all about the customers and we all love each other and we'll all hold hands and everything will be amazing. Um, but you're right, that's just crap. The reality is you've got to show a return on investment. And, and I think the exciting thing, I think, for us as practitioners is the opportunity because the results are there. They're very clear. There is an ROI. You know, it, you know, when you have great quality, you're more efficient. Customers spend more. They stay with you longer. And there's endless amount of studies that will demonstrate that. Yet, you know, we still don't seem to be cutting through to the CEOs around that. And I think you're 100% right. A lot of that is based on the language that we're using is not, you know, strong enough. It's not talking metrics. It's not talking numbers. And as soon as we start flipping the dial on that, it's certainly going to be a bit better, yeah? And it's the same thing. I, I don't know if you if you noticed that 15 years ago, probably we had all these companies starting doing CSR. You know, uh, giving back to the uh, to the community and uh, doing you know activities where you could do charity, you could go clean the beach, you could um, help elderies, help children in need, whatever that is. Um, and big companies starting to get into that. Now, is it because they have a gigantic heart? I, well, maybe the leader does believe in this kind of thing, and I, I think that's great, but I think that's not enough. Probably they understood they have something to win. Uh, and what do they have to get doing this is about image and about return on investment. That's a long-term game. It's not because you're going to help the local community today that you're going to make more money. But in the long run, you're building your image, you're constructing a bond with the local community. It's exactly the same thing with CX is people need to understand it's not just because you have a big heart and you love your customers and you might and you should, but that's just not the only reason. There is real money to make by taking care of your customers. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. Spot on. Um, now, I, you often describe yourself uh, as the Swiss Army skill set of, uh, of all things marketing, right? Because you've, you've done so many different roles and you've got experience. As you said, you've already touched on SEO is, is just one example. So I want to pick your brain a little bit because, you know, I know we've got an audience typically of contact center and CX people, but there is a huge uh, influence by marketing. And, and so I was really interested, I guess, in your insights of where do you think marketing is going because from from me you know who's not a marketer by trade i'm desperately trying to learn um it is very hard to get cut through these days right i mean there's so much stuff coming at you and you know linkedin starting to look like facebook now which was starting to look like twitter and and you know so people are starting to tune out no one signs up to newsletters anymore like so where do you see it all going how as a company i guess you know and you're obviously in a role now how, how do you try and sort of circumvent that well, the, the great thing about marketing, which is also the most terrible thing about marketing, is you have to reinvent yourself every single year, if not every single day. Uh, my role has changed dramatically um, since I started my career many years ago. Uh, I used to be, you know, I used to do branding and try just to... to to build product information. And nowadays we are talking about generating business, generating leads. I mean, the, the whole role of marketing has changed uh, because companies are now seeing marketing, not just as a, as you mentioned for CX earlier, we are not just a fluffy thing that you throw budget out because it's sexy to have a nice logo and a nice video. Now you need to show return on investment. And that's true for every department. That's even more true for marketing. The role has changed. 
And the way we interact with customers has changed as well. Um, and in a similar fashion to contact center. First, there is a GDPR. Uh, you may not be as concerned in Australia um, unless you have European customers. Uh, but GDPR is a major shift for marketing because it changed entirely the way we um, we engage with our customers. And Julian, we, we, uh, we hear about it here. We're not as influenced. But for those that are, that are listening that don't quite understand it, just can you quickly summarize how that has impacted you? Yeah, well, absolutely. So GDPR is just... If I make it super simple and I go to the core, is a way to protect the consumer. By protecting the consumer, we make sure that their data is collected with their agreement. They have to agree before you collect their data. And it ha we have to make sure that we use the data uh, to do no evil, basically. <laughs> right? So concretely, what does it look like? It means that um, now websites that were already filled with cookies and, and banners where you accept terms and conditions, you, multiply it by 10, you have that all over the place. You can't access a website before doing 10 clicks for closing banners now. Um, but from a marketer point of view, it means that you can hardly reach out to a customer or to a to a prospect, should I say now, uh, without prior opt-in, prior agreement. And depending on the country, it, gets, it can get even more complex. Germany has a very strict uh, understanding of GDPR. So uh, you really need to get a double opt-in before reaching out to a prospect, which, which is making marketers' lives much more difficult. Yep. I'm not sure it's such a gain for customers or consumers today. Um, in the long run, there's probably building good habits for the future. Maybe it's the same thing as what I said about SEO. We try to to change people's ways of uh, of interacting, but it, it's, mm -hmm. it's making it very hard. Yep. So how do you how do you get a, get past that now? Well, just need to be more creative. And that's the beauty of coming from the startup world. You have no choice but to, <laughs> to be creative at all points. And, um, and, and, and we find new ways of interactions. You mentioned that uh, LinkedIn is changing. We use a lot social uh, social channels. And that's the same thing as contact center, meaning that uh, you have to adopt new channels and you have to understand your customers. If you know who your customers are, what they use, what they read, what they do, then you start to adapt the way you interact with them. So. Uh, for me, for example, I, I come from the B2B world uh, at Rank Central. So LinkedIn is a huge piece of it because I know that my customers are spending some time on LinkedIn. Um, but I'm also going to um, write articles and do publications in uh, magazines and blogs that I know they read. So how do I do that? I simply spend a lot of time talking to customers to understand what it is they use, what it is they read, what it is they like, uh, so that I can you know, just build my strategy around customers and and once again it's back to cx but from a marketing perspective yeah i it's it's great that you've got the the different lenses to look through things because you're right that the i just see such a synergy now between cx and marketing and i think it would be really hard to do one without knowledge of the other and 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 i agree because that's what i was saying earlier it's about um, consistent customer experience meaning that if you get someone telling you ABC when you call the contact center, but the marketing ads are telling you XYZ, you are confused. As a customer, mm -hmm. you are engaging with a single brand. And regardless of the person you're talking to, whether it's marketing, sales, contact center, professional services, whatever, you need to have the same pitch that is the same company, the same brand, the same vision. So as a customer, I expect that whoever I talk to within the company, I should get the same same feedback, same image, same colors. Um, and and that's, a, a, that's a, a big job that marketing has to do is figure out how do, we, how do we make sure that this 
vision, this branding, um, this these values that are you know often overlooked, but values are incredibly important. Uh, that these values are really shared across the the entire company. Um, it would be difficult to have a conversation in twenty twenty one without mentioning COVID. Um, how have, <laughs> how have you found that impacting? you know, the, your business world and obviously aside from obviously Zoom meetings and stuff, has it been a real positive for, for Ring Central because it's sort of forced people to adopt technology maybe quicker than what they were originally planning? Well, that, that's a mix. Um, it has been positive in some ways because it just accelerated the uh, digital transformation. Uh, many companies talk about digital transformation for 10 years, but it's sometimes difficult to do it because you've invested millions of dollars in local software and hardware, and you, you just don't want to uh, you just don't want to switch because because you've invested too much money and you're too far along to to make that decision. COVID has changed that uh, because companies now understand that if you're not digital, then when something happens, you don't have a continuity plan that's going to be functional. So from that perspective, that's probably been good, I guess. Um, but a very large portion of our customers at Ring Central are uh, SMBs, and those businesses, regardless of the region—I mean, U.S., Europe, Asia, Australia—they have suffered. Um, and and if your if your customers suffer, then you as a provider suffer as well. So we have spent a lot of time trying to understand what they need, trying to make specific you know uh, moves to help them. Um, survive during the pandemic. Uh, we've had to reinvent ourselves. That has been tough. Quite, quite frankly, um, but ultimately, I think for our industry, generally speaking, it has been pretty good because now there is a stronger understanding that cloud is not just uh, the new fancy object you can have. Cloud is something you need if you want to move forward. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, what's the next sort of you know rest of the year? I was going to twelve months, but you know, what's the rest of twenty twenty one look like for you? What's where's the focus at the moment? Oh, multiple focuses, actually. Um, we are, um, for, for me personally, I'm changing a little bit the regions I'm, I'm covering because Ring Central is growing very fast. So I used to cover Asia as well, but now I'm, uh, I'm giving it to my Australian friends uh, because they are closer and they are growing very fast. Uh, so my personal focus, I'm changing a little bit um, the, the regions I'm covering. Uh, for Ring Central in general, uh, we launched many new exciting products this year that I'm not allowed to, to talk about at this stage, but that's going to be a great year from that perspective. Um, and for for CX in general, uh, um, what we're trying to do internally is, is great to tell people what to do. It's even better to apply your own lessons to yourself. So we have lots of large internal projects to make sure that... Um, we do what we preach, uh, which is incredibly important because people cannot take you seriously if you don't if you don't drink your own potions. So, a lot of things happening in, in 2021 to to make the overall experience for everyone uh, better and better. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and you said sort of in Australia, is there any insight? We're not asking you to, to spill the beans on, on new products, et cetera, but uh, uh, where do you see the Australian market from where you sit? Because we're, we're in it, obviously, but how, how do you see the Australian market? Well, I, I, I won't. I don't think I'm the best person to talk about the Australian market because I have very limited knowledge, and I wouldn't want to 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 make any mistakes on on these aspects because I know you are the expert of the Australian market, and I don't <laughs> want to <laughs> to say anything wrong. I, I, I'm no expert, but what I know is uh, Australia is a huge country 
in terms of size, but very um, um, very spread in terms of population. And you don't necessarily have the same habits or the same way of working uh, once you go from Melbourne to Sydney. Uh, I, I've been there for my honeymoon, and I can tell the, the people don't deal with you the same way when you move from one place to the other. There is some culture differences. There, yes, so I, that's true. <laughs> there is a very big difference even, between Melbourne and Sydney, Julian, as we've spoken about previously. It's like, yeah, they're mortal enemies, let's be honest. It's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I had that kind of feeling when I, I rented a car in Melbourne um, and do, did the whole um, coast by car uh, all the way to Sydney. And once I arrived there, uh, I, I got people um, from, from the police department giving me fines because I was not parking the right way, but the rules were somehow different from Melbourne. And apparently the, the fact that my plate was saying Melbourne was not a good, a good thing for me to, to move around. So Just, I had that yeah. feeling. <laughs> just asking for trouble. If you're driving a car with, with Victorian <laughs> plates, driving around Sydney, you're just asking for trouble. There's a tip for anyone who's, <laughs> who, who's listening. Although it's very interesting down here at the moment with, with COVID because, um, you know, what's happening is, well, I mean, this is the first time ever in our country that borders are being closed between states. So, you know, it's never been an issue before. You know, we could always just fly and, you know, go to Sydney or, or Perth or Adelaide or wherever it might be. But um, during the pandemic, I've been based in Melbourne in Victoria and literally we were the, you know, we were the smelly people because we had COVID and no one else did. So all the borders were closed. And and so it's been a, quite a, a culture shock, I guess, for a lot of Australians. I've been lucky enough to go to Europe and you can still move around, but you've got the border controls, obviously, when you go through, you know, most of the countries. But here we just didn't have that. You just drive across the border and no one even, you know, you wouldn't even know. But but uh, now all of a sudden it's it's very difficult. So it certainly has has changed. But um, you know, hopefully we're still a friendly country, and you can come back for your um, your anniversary or something, Julian. Come back down under. <laughs> Oh, I, I will definitely. Uh, that has been. I've travelled a lot in the past twenty years. That was from far the best trip I had uh, in in the past twenty years. So I'm definitely coming back to Australia. I spent about fifteen days there, uh, which seems like like. A long period of time, but it was actually incredibly short because you could not do 10% of Australia within 15 days. That's too huge. And I've heard that I need to go back. If 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 only for that, I should try Tasmania that I didn't try last time. So I, I will I will be back. Fantastic. Well, we definitely look forward to having you back here when you get here. We'll have to uh, catch up and do a live interview at that point. Now, Julian, I, look, I know you're active. You are on, on YouTube, uh, as we said. So people can just go to see you at, at Julie. They, they just type in your name, Julian Rio, or CX Therapy. Um, either channel comes up. Uh, and, of course, if you haven't connected with Julian already, just jump on LinkedIn. He's definitely on LinkedIn, and I'm sure he'd be very happy to connect. <laughs> with you um so you'll definitely see him um there um julian thanks so much for giving up your time i know with, with the time differences it's an early morning start for you so i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight because you're one of the the few people i think globally that has that that vision around cx and contact centers you know and technology and being able to mix them all together is, is very very difficult and very unique so it's been a fascinating chat i've really really enjoyed it I loved it as well. Thank you so much for the invite. Uh, and, and once again, I think we could do this every week for a year and we would not have chance to touch every possible topic around CX and marketing. And so thank you so much for the invite. I really appreciated it. Absolute pleasure. And I'm sure we will talk again at some point uh, on this podcast. As you're right, there's a lot of lot more stuff we could cover off. So thank you everyone for listening or watching if, you, if you're looking at us on YouTube or on the website. And if you want any more information about uh, CX Central, uh, you can obviously just go to the website. We've got heaps of information uh, on there, free articles, etc. And, uh, you know, we are very, very happy 
to share it all for free. So it doesn't cost you anything. So I reckon it's a pretty good price. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Julian, have a wonderful day ahead. And uh, we look forward to hearing how all things are happening at uh, Ring Central throughout the year. Thank you again, Justin. And I will talk to you very soon. Thank you, everyone. Bye.